broadcasting from Mount Pleasant, Utah. This is the Sampete Horse Training Podcast. Sampete Horse Training's mission statement is simple, to send home a respectful, well-rounded, and well-broke horse that can handle a variety of situations. In today's episode, company manager and veterinarian Dr. Eric Dent will discuss a common medical problem of horses that are in training known as tying up. Hi there. I'm excited to talk about this topic mostly because it is so common. I would go so far as to say that most horse people have seen a case of tying up, whether they know, know it or not. Tying up is known by a lot of different names in the horse industry. The term tying up is probably the most common one. There's a medical term used by veterinarians called exertional rhabdomyolysis fancy term that basically means that when a horse is worked there's damage to their muscles. Other names include azoturia which has to do with um, the urine, set fast paralytic myoglobinuria, capture myopathy which has reference to um, horses that are becoming tired and have muscle damage from being chased to be captured, such as wild horse roundups. And then Monday morning disease, which has reference to a horse being laid off for the weekend and then going back to hard work on Monday morning and coming up sore. The clinical signs of tying up are varied. There are a lot of horses that will show symptoms of colic and then some that will show symptoms of stiffness or lameness. But there are quite a few other things that can pop up that are not necessarily diagnostic for tying up, but could be present in tying up cases. So like I said, the colic thing is interesting. Um, in the cases that I've seen throughout my career, the vast majority of them have shown colic. But the colic seems to be a little different. They're, they're just, they're not quite as colicky as you would tip, typically see in a, in a true, you know, abdominal pain type of a case. Um, but they show some of those symptoms. Some horses will, will just act a little restless. They'll, they'll stop eating. They may watch their flank a little bit or um, sometimes paw a little bit. But you don't really see the, the typical clinical signs of you know, the up and down and rolling and thrashing their head off the ground and, um, you know, kicking at the belly and, and that type of a thing. But it can show up really as any sign of colic. It's just that over the years I've noticed that it's usually not as bad as a typical abdominal, true, you know, gastrointestinal cause of colic. So that's probably the number one clinical sign that we see. And, and the lameness or stiffness is probably the second. Most horses that have signs of lameness or stiffness are basically just reluctant to want to move or they are just real stiff and don't have a lot of mobility in their movement. They're not as free in their movement. And so that is very, very common. Some of the less common signs of tying up would include laying down. I have seen this before, um, but it's not very common. 
in some of the more severe cases, the color of their urine will change. So you'll get kind of a, an orange or brown or uh, red, sometimes even kind of borderline green or black urine. Um, and we'll talk a, a little bit later about why that happens, but that can be a clinical sign of tying up. A lot of horses do have a increase in heart rate, and that has to do with the fact that it's painful. Um, this is a very painful condition. Probably the best way to describe it would be like you lifted weights until you just flat out couldn't lift anymore, and then the next morning when you wake up, you can barely move. It's like that type of pain, only probably a little bit greater in a horse. And so there is definitely a lot of pain, and that leads to rapid heart rate as well as sometimes um, kind of quick breathing or shallow breathing, and that just has to do with the pain. A lot of horses act really crampy, like they kind of want to lay down, but then they can't, um, and just a lot of pain from that cramping. And then some horses will sweat quite a bit when they do this as well. So those are all signs that you could see. Um, but again, the two most common would be colic or being stiff or, or lame. Um, those would be the, the most common clinical signs. So how do you diagnose this condition? As a veterinarian, the, the main thing that I look for from the very beginning is the history because it's so important to know whether or not this has ever happened before and then certainly what happened right before they started showing these clinical signs. A lot of times it's as simple as, oh, we just went on a big long ride today or, oh, I just competed on this horse and he's not in shape or, oh, I just uh, exercised this horse even though it is in shape but, you know, maybe this, this mare was just uh, run a lot harder than than uh, I typically do, and, and now she's sore. Um, so history really has a lot to do with this. And, and if you've got any sort of uh, stiffness or colic immediately after exercise, this always has to be on the list of possibilities, although it doesn't mean that that's, you know, that tying up is the only thing that it could be. From a physical exam standpoint, it's really interesting. I've seen horses that had significant muscle fasciculations where their muscles are just sitting there trembling like crazy. And so that's a, that's a pretty good indicator uh, of this being a possibility. The other thing that we notice that's fairly suggestive on a physical exam is that their muscles are hard. And I'm, and I'm talking like rock hard, like, you know, tapping on the surface of a table hard, you know, when you're, when you're up on their hip muscles or on their back leg muscles or, you know, muscles that maybe typically have a little bit of flabbiness to it, all of a sudden they're just rock hard. Um, and so that's a pretty dead giveaway of this possibility of tying up on physical exam. Another thing that we do to diagnose this is to do blood work. And I highly encourage, if you ever have a horse where tying up is suspected, um, you know, let your veterinarian do some blood work because it is so helpful. There are three different muscle enzymes that can be suggestive of a problem with tying up. And this is really a lot more of a definitive diagnosis than just going off of history and physical exam alone. Um, and then there are other things on the blood work that are helpful as well because tying up can actually impact the kidneys and blood work tells you where the function of the kidneys is at, and you know whether or not there's any problems there. Other diagnostic testing 
can be things like uh, genetic tests for certain diseases that cause tying up, as well as muscle biopsies, which can give a lot of information, especially for the more chronic cases of tying up. There are two chronic reasons for tying up, and I'm not going to go into a lot of uh, detail about these. It's kind of a, a whole other topic. Um, recurrent exertional rhabdomyolysis in thoroughbreds. They think they, there's a genetic basis to that, and I don't really know anything about that. I've, I don't practice in an area where there's a lot of thoroughbreds, and so uh, that's something that you would have to ask your veterinarian in your area if you think that could be a problem. Um, but that is a, a cause of chronic tying up. And then the other one is a polysaccharide storage myopathy, um, often referred to as PSSM. This is found in draft horses, um, quarter horses, and a couple other breeds. But this basically is a genetic defect that causes problems with uh, metabolism in the muscles. And, and there is a genetic test for that that can be done um, that can give a lot of information. And so those chronic causes, they're kind of a whole different ball of wax, but um, there are some genetic or some testing that can be done genetic or otherwise that can give a lot of information on those. So the typical case of tying up, um, I, would, I would suggest that uh, the cases that we see um, at the vet clinic are, they go something like this. Um, the horse is not in very good shape. The owner went on a ride with the horse and maybe worked it a little harder than they had anticipated. And then there was either an immediate stiffness that popped up or the next day the horse was really, really sore and showed symptoms of either stiffness or, or colic. Um, that's, that's pretty typical for the, the, the typical case that we see. There are a lot of different potential reasons for tying up, but when it comes right down to it, the average case is basically just being exercised harder than whatever their conditioning level allows for. The academic types will talk a lot about two basic categories of tying up, either sporadic tying up or chronic tying up. And the chronic cases are what, what I just talked about with the recurrent or the RER, recurrent exertional rhabdomyolysis, or the polysaccharide storage myopathy, PSSM. Um, and then there are the sporadic ones where it's like it just kind of happens and then it doesn't really happen again. Or maybe it happens, you know, one other time, you know, when the horse has worked hard or whatever. The sporadic cases are the ones that, that we see the most commonly uh, just in general, but they're also the most common that you would see in kind of a training sort of environment where the horses are at the trainer or being trained. And so th this really comes on because they're being exercised in excess of their level of conditioning. And this can be because the program is accelerated too quickly or if the horse had an idle period of not being ridden or not being worked with very hard for a few days or even weeks and, and then all of a sudden, bam, here, here they came on uh, with more exercise again. Also, endurance competitions. Uh, th this happens with some frequency in those cases. And then basically just riding on hot, humid days. Th that can lead to some problems as well. 
a lot of times there's loss of fluid that's at play and, and electrolytes. So basically the horse is sweating a lot, they're losing some electrolytes through that sweat, and they're being worked hard, which depletes the energy stores in the muscles. And then basically this leads to muscle dysfunction and, and damage. And so anytime that a horse is in that situation where it's a hot, humid day, lots of sweating, a lot of fluid loss and electrolyte loss, then that's kind of setting them up for that. Another predisposing factor is horses that have respiratory infections. Um, and this can occur for a couple weeks after respiratory infections. Um, and so you want to be really careful about exercising them if they've got a fever, a cough, nasal discharge, um, other signs such as difficulty breathing, that kind of a thing. You want to be really, really careful in those cases because they're so predisposed towards tying up if they've had that happen. So what about vitamins, minerals, and electrolytes? There's a lot of different uh, possible combinations of these things that could lead to tying up cases. I'll never forget a case I saw right after I got out of vet school. There was a horse that was a, a rope horse that was competing at a pretty high level on the pro rodeo circuit. And this horse would tie up occasionally and there seemed to be a, a uh, correlation between what the horse was being fed and whether or not it tied up. Basically, if it was good quality hay, he wouldn't tie up. And then if it was more, you know, kind of the, just that grass and maybe a little older, not quite as much nutrition to it type of hay, then the horse would tie up. We never did really definitively determine what was happening in this horse. And I think there could have been the potential for a PSSM case because he was such a muscular, big bodied, thick quarter horse type uh, body type. But it was interesting that as soon as the owner started to give electrolytes before he competed, the problem went away. And so there's definitely a, a component or at least some horses where electrolytes can make a big difference. In our area of the country, we have very selenium deficient soil. And there is some thought that selenium deficiencies can cause this. Be very careful in supplementing selenium because most areas of the world are not selenium deficient. And most horses, if they're being supplemented, are probably being overdosed on selenium and that's not good either. But if you're in an area where there's selenium deficiency, you can, in a lot of different ways, can um, supplement selenium into their diet. I personally give my horses a trace mineral block and a selenium block. Um, I don't ever give them just a selenium block, but I give them both that way that as they need the selenium, they can go after that and have some intake on that. And, and typically my horses will go through about four blocks of trace mineral to every one block of selenium that they're consuming. Uh, but selenium can have a, a significant uh, part to do with this. Just be careful not to overdose them on it. Similarly, vitamin E can have something to do with this, and you know, vitamin E deficiencies are probably not all that common. Vitamin E is found in any of your green leafy forages, including hay, um, and it's in high levels in that. And so unless you're feeding really old, kind of dry, crappy hay, you're probably not facing a vitamin E deficiency, but that is something to, to consider.
when it comes to electrolytes, um, there are three that are most important, sodium, potassium, and calcium. I've seen several cases throughout my career where uh, electrolyte supplementation made a difference in keeping tying up from occurring um, or even treating it once it had occurred. Electrolytes are present in a lot, a lot of different preparations. You can buy it in a lot of different ways. And I certainly don't hesitate to recommend that people use electrolytes in cases of tying up. Probably the easiest way to administer it is to give it in a, a gel or paste form that can be given, administered just like a wormer orally. Do be careful if you're mixing this in with their water. Some horses refuse to drink water that has electrolytes in it and it can cause dehydration. But there are a lot of different ways that you can purchase electrolytes, even online, you know, Amazon or whatever. Uh, you can get it through a lot of different avenues and it's not a prescription. And so you can just purchase these over the counter and there's nothing wrong with giving them. It'd be pretty difficult to overdose on electrolytes simply because they're urinated out very quickly if there's too many of them. What cases have I seen of tying up in horses that we have been training? I've seen two. The first was a quarter horse, thick bodied, very muscular, the type that you would kind of expect to tie up. I wouldn't be at all surprised if this horse had PSSM. We saw her tie up probably five or six times during six weeks worth of training. Her case was interesting because she would always tie up about 12 hours after we rode her. We were training her in the winter time and she was in a 12 by 12 stall that was not in a heated barn. And so I do wonder if part of this may have been due to the cold. So she had been exercised she was in very good shape, but then, you know, 12 hours later, after a really cold night, we'd notice her um, acting a little bit different in the stall. The clinical signs that she exhibited were mostly colic-based. Um, she would watch her flank, she would pot the ground a little bit, and then she would lay down, and then she'd get up and repeat the whole thing all over again. Um, and it would go away very quickly with a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory administration. Um, and it was something we just kind of dealt with over time. She was in very good shape and, and the cases were not really close together. We'd, we'd see it, you know, like one week we'd see it and then it'd go a week or two and then we'd see a couple of them in a row and then, you know, it'd go a while and then we'd see another one. So there, there didn't seem to be any correlation between being ridden super hard or, um, you know, it being kind of one after another after another. So that was one case that we saw. After she went home, there was not any tying up at all. So it was clearly exercise induced, but probably a polysaccharide storage myopathy case. The other case that we saw uh, was actually induced by us and we kind of expected this to happen a little bit. This was a horse that came in because he was super, super hot the entire purpose of him being trained was the, the owners were getting ready to sell him because they couldn't handle him because he was so forward. We worked with this horse for quite some time. He was in very, very good shape and he just didn't really 
seemed to get the idea that he didn't need to run everywhere. From a training standpoint, one of the ways that you can fix this is basically to use a bit of reverse psychology where if the horse wants to run, you let them run, and then you essentially keep them running until they decide that they don't want to run, and then you make them keep running. <laughs> and then only after they've started to you know, kind of calm down and not want to run, then you let them stop, and basically they start to realize very quickly that running is not very much fun. And this, you know, I'm not suggesting that, that this would be done routinely or, or that there couldn't be problems associated with this. But this was basically what the horse was there for, and, and so we felt like we really needed to do this with this horse. And so what we did is we waited until uh, he was very, you know, in very good shape um, and had a pretty good handle on him and was doing really well in the training program. And then one day, um, we basically st stuck him out on the dirt roads, and, and he wanted to run, and so we let him run. And then after quite some time, he decided that that wasn't that much fun, and so he decided that he would try to just trot instead of lope. And then um, when he tried to do that, we, we said, no, no, you, you, don't you remember? You, you asked to run, and so we're going to run. <laughs> so we pushed him back up to the lope again and went for a little while longer. And then when he tried to break down again, we'd push him back up the lope again. And then after about the third or fourth time of doing this, then we allowed him to stop. Um, and that was his reward. So obviously we had to be very careful with this. We, we, we needed to push the envelope from a psychological standpoint, but not push it from a, from a physical standpoint. And we kind of knew that we were probably going to cause a little bit of soreness and a little bit of you know tying up, but we wanted to make sure that it was enough psychological pushing to where he realized that hey running is not that much fun but not so much to where we we really pushed him into a severe case of tying up the next day he was sore and and we expected that it wasn't i would i would call it mild basically his clinical sign was he was laying down and he was not the type of horse that would ever do that um, so we come out the next morning he's laying down in the stall you know basically he showed this stiffness, kind of almost like he'd been lifting weights or something for a couple of days, and then he was back to being normal. And so that was the other case that, that, that we saw of tying up. And, and you know, I would, I would almost kind of borderline hesitate to even call it tying up because it wasn't really a true classic case and it was very mild, but it was kind of the same idea. From a training standpoint, by the way, that worked wonders on this horse. Uh, there was a definite switch that flipped in his mind where he decided that running really wasn't that much fun. And um, from that day forward, you know, you kick him into the lope and he was happy to lope, but he wasn't trying to run away with you. He had learned his lesson off that one single training session. And so that's something we don't do real commonly, but it does work from a psychological standpoint to get them to, to realize that that's not the answer. So how do you treat this? There's a lot of different ways to treatment, treat it, and that really depends on what's wrong in the first place. I don't want this podcast to, to take the place of competent veterinary care, and I would highly recommend if your horse ties up that you take it into the veterinarian. You know, in vet school, they taught us that treatment without a diagnosis is misguided, and I really do agree with that. You know, it's not a good idea to just go throwing drugs or, or other treatments at a, at a case of tying up without really knowing what's causing it. And there are a lot of potential treatments. There, there are some dietary things that can be done, especially with the conic forms. Um, you know, the PSSM cases, you gotta 
you got to cut down their starch and sugar intake, and then you got to increase their fat. You know, there are electrolyte ways of treating things. There's non-steroidal anti-inflammatory ways of treating things. Um, I would say that probably the two mainstays of treatment in the typical just exertional case where a horse is ridden too hard and then they get stiff um, would be electrolyte supplementation and non-steroidal anti-inflammatories such as phenylbutazone or flunix and megalamine. Even aspirin works to some degree in, in these cases, and that would be an over-the-counter alternative that people could use if they're really certain that that's what it was. I've seen cases of tying up where we had to hospitalize the horse for several days, and I've seen cases where the horse died from it because of basically renal failure, you know, kidney failure that was secondary to the tying up episode. You definitely want to make sure that you get them seen. You know, one of the things that I've noticed over the years is that if people bring them in right away, they're really easy to treat and fairly cheap to treat. But if you wait two or three days and, and then you've got problems on top of problems, as in like, you know, they can't move and so then they stop drinking and then they're dehydrated and then, you know, it just kind of compounds, then those are the cases that we end up having to keep a lot longer and they end up costing more and maybe they even have a lower prognosis to return to function later on. Take them into the veterinarian. That's a good idea to have that done and make sure that if at all possible, you're letting your veterinarian do the diagnostic testing that it takes to get a true diagnosis so that you know what's going on. The vast majority of these cases turn out just fine. The horses are totally fine long term, but you don't really want to be messing with just taking a wait-and-see approach or trying to just treat blindly because there's a lot of potential negative things that can occur because of that. I'll never forget this one tying-up case that I saw a few years ago where the client was just absolutely convinced that this was a colic case. And what they had done was, you know, they had, they had a prescription non-steroidal anti-inflammatory on hand that their veterinarian had prescribed for a different horse in a different case. And, and anyway, they'd taken this horse for a ride and then they came back and then it tied up within a couple hours and they're like, oh, it's colic. And so they, you know, they, they treated it with, um, this non-steroidal, and the horse immediately got better because it took the pain away. But unfortunately, it didn't really fix it, and then a few hours later, it started to colic again. Um, so they gave another dose of the non-steroidal anti-inflammatory, and the horse got better again. And the next morning, they called us up because the horse was still colicking. And the history alone in this case was pretty suggestive of tying up versus colicking, and the client just flat out would not take that as an answer that that's what it could be, and so they just wanted us to tube the horse, and they were convinced that mineral oil and water would, would fix the problem and, and all this kind of thing, and, you know, after some conversation, a little bit of prodding, we, we ended up talking them into doing some blood work, and it turns out that the horse had just massive increases in the the uh, serum muscle enzymes and you know the, the, the ones that are associated with tying up all three of them were elevated and and uh, so it was a you know a pretty pretty clear case but the problem is is two doses of the, the non-steroidal anti-inflammatory had been administered within a very short period of time and the dose that was given was very high this horse had been ridden hard had probably lost quite a bit of fluid through sweating and electrolytes had immediately started to tie up 
they gave it a dose of non-steroidal, which in a dehydrated tying up horse, yeah, it cut the pain, but it, it also had some bad effects on the kidneys. Um, the horse never really drank because it was still kind of sore and didn't want to move. Started to colic again, or really tying up again. They gave another dose, still even further dehydrated. They eventually called us. By the time we saw it, the horse was fairly dehydrated. Um, make a long story short, a couple weeks later, the horse is really sick, stops eating. We repeat the blood work and it's in kidney failure. And the kidney failure was pre presumably from the horse being given these non-steroidal anti-inflammatories when it was dehydrated and then that was added on top of the muscle damage that had occurred, which the kidneys are responsible for clearing. So one of the things that occurs when a horse ties up is that the muscle itself, the cells itself are damaged. They, they're lysed or cut or they blow up, so to speak. That's where exertional rhabdomyolysis comes from. The lysed part of that means that the cell is actually broken. And so now there's all these products from the inside of the cell that go into the bloodstream and then the kidneys have to get rid of that. So here the kidneys are working overtime. They're trying to, trying to get rid of this product that was from the muscle being damaged. And that's very hard on the kidneys. Then you add dehydration on top of that, that's very hard on the kidneys. Then you add a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory on top of that in a high dose twice, that's very hard on the kidneys. And this horse actually was pushed into kidney failure and we, had, we ended up having to euthanize him. Um, and it was, it was really kind of a striking case to me in that if this horse had been seen by a veterinarian right off the bat, very likely could have been perfectly normal by rehydrating it um, and then treating it appropriately so that we weren't being so hard on the kidneys. Not to say that the non wouldn't have been given. It probably would have been given, but it would have been given after the horse was rehydrated and it would have been done in a dose and you know in a timing that would not have kind of compounded the, the kidney problems. And so um, you know, don't hesitate to take them in. This isn't something that is too difficult to fix as long as it's fixed fairly quickly. Um, and I certainly recommend to have them seen. So what do you do if you're up on the mountain, you know, five miles from your truck? You've been riding your horse pretty hard, and then all of a sudden it ties up. Well, you know, there's a lot of potential <laughs> problems with this, but I, you know, I've seen it happen, and it's always a frustrating thing. Um, the first thing I would do is I, is I would contact your veterinarian and ask their advice. Um, if that's not a possibility, then you're going to have a long, slow, steady ride out or not necessarily a ride, you're gonna lead the horse out. Um, it would be important to try to kind of keep them moving, and if at all possible, if they're interested in drinking, try to get them to drink. If you have any ability to get some electrolytes into them, that would be a good idea. Um, and then the last you know, thing that you could do would be to get a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory or aspirin into their system just so that you can get them off the mountain and get them to the veterinary clinic. But the big thing is you, you want to minimize that work as much as possible. Don't ride them, lead them, you know. Make sure that you're not asking them to work any more than, than what they really should have to because it would be like 
somebody giving out lifting weights and then you ask them to lift more weights. It just is almost impossible to do. And it's really important that you don't push them too hard. I guess a last ditch effort in an instance like this where you know, you're know you on a pack trip or something and you're not gonna be able to get them the 10, 15, 20 miles out would be basically just to stay with them there and see if you can get the episode to pass. It may take a day or two. Um, and then you could likely lead them back out as long as they're well hydrated um, and that kind of a thing. One thing that I do want to mention with regard to this topic is even though we've talked about, you know, riding a horse hard, causing them to go into this tying up episode, I think that people are not really appreciative of just how hard you can push a horse that's in shape without causing them to tie up. I'll never forget an experience that I had um, when I was an undergraduate. I did an internship on a, a big cattle ranch in the Midwestern United States. And I took two horses out there with me and as fate would have it, one of them colicked and died on me. And so I was riding this other horse basically every day and, and it was a lot of really hard, long riding. Not a lot of elevation change or anything, but just a lot of riding, a lot of time in the saddle. And this horse was in excellent shape. And I will never forget this day where we rode these horses extremely hard. We got up early, early in the morning, like three or four o'clock, and basically rode them all the way until evening, seven, eight, nine o'clock that night, pushing some cows out of big pastures, taking them to a area where we sorted them, loaded them onto some semis, and, uh, and then rode back to you know, the location where the horses were being kept. And I don't know exactly how far that was, but it was close to 16, 17 hours in the saddle. And, you know, with, a, with quite a few breaks during the day, but it, it, but it was pretty consistent riding. And it was fairly hot in, in the middle of summer. And it was just a really, really long day. I, I would guess it had to have been at least 50 miles of riding that day. And, you know, the horse that I was riding, again, he was in really good shape, but he never skipped a beat, never had a problem, never tied up. You know, and it, and it was hard work all day long. Um, and so w when I hear people make a comment like, oh, you can't ride them that hard or they'll tie up, I, I think you just have to recognize what a horse is really capable of. We Here at, here at Sampy Horse Training, we'll routinely ride horses 15 miles in one day um, on the long rides that we do. And we'll routinely ride them for an hour and a half of really, really high intensity workouts. Maybe not necessarily loping the entire hour and a half, but probably at least 45 to 50, maybe even 60 minutes worth of that is, is at the lope. And these horses do just fine. And so, you know, the tying up cases that, that we see because of too much exercise are usually not because the exercise is too hard, it's just that the horse is not in shape for it. But if your horse is in shape, 
don't be afraid to exercise them. Uh, we do this every day here at Sampy Horse Training. We don't push them hard right at the very beginning because we want to get them in shape. But once they've hit a couple weeks and they're starting to get toned up and get some good muscle to them and, and a little bit of endurance to them, then we start to push them a lot harder and that's what makes a horse a horse. It's one of the things that really characterizes our values and philosophy here at, at the business is that we are gonna put hundreds and hundreds of miles on the horses that we train and we're not afraid to, to ride them and ride them hard. It just has to be done in a fashion where they're worked up to it and you have to be paying attention to each horse as an individual. Each horse has a different body type. Each horse has a you know, different set of potential predilection towards this, this condition. Um, but if they're in shape and they can handle it, then don't be afraid to exercise them, to push them. That's what makes them into a good horse. The last thing I'd say about this topic of tying up is that there's no reason why a horse should tie up multiple times over and over and over. If this is occurring, you very likely have a genetic component to it. Um, and I would highly recommend to seek out some competent veterinary advice. There is really no reason why they should tie up more than maybe once or twice in their entire life. And, that, and, and if you're approaching it properly, not even that much. And so if you've got a horse that just seems to be tying up a lot, Go talk to your veterinarian. There's, there's very likely going to be some tests done. There's very likely going to be a diagnosis made. Um, don't ever just say in the back of your mind, oh, yeah, my horse just ties up. It's kind of their normal thing. It's, it's not normal to be tying up to any um, consistent degree. That's, that's a very abnormal thing, and it needs to be addressed. So I hope you've enjoyed this topic. Um, this is maybe just a little bit more veterinary related than it is training related, but it's something that we just thought that we'd share with you because it has the potential to be associated with training if, if training is not done in the correct way. Don't hesitate to, to get a hold of us if you have any questions about uh, tying up. We're happy to talk to you about that. Feel free to, to bring your horse on into us so we can put hundreds of miles underneath its feet and, and get it in good shape for you and get it respectful and, and uh, some good experience outside of the arena and up on the mountain. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Mm -hmm.